You're listening to The Private Citizen, defending your right to have something to hide. This is episode 93 for Wednesday, the 27th of October, 2021. Kinetic Options. Hello everybody, my name is Fab, come to you live from Düsseldorf in Germany, um, where it's dark and cold and it's the winter and I've, I've got tea. It's fortified tea, I put rum in it, and there's gunfire, I think. Put too much rum in it, this might be an interesting show. Um, we, we're going to talk about two topics today. Uh, one I wanted to, uh, to talk about for a while, it's been on the list, uh, you know, the uh, CIA plans about Assange uh, killing, abducting him, whatever. Uh, it's a very interesting story. And then I read another interesting piece uh, by Greenwald on um, Frances Hogan, the um, Facebook whistleblower, and who, uh, you know, how she's uh, basically bankrolled by Pierre Omidar, who's like a billionaire, you know, the uh, Facebook, not Facebook, uh, eBay uh, founder. And uh, I was going to do like two separate topics, but I think they work together. So I'll, I'll try to weave them in together. Let's let's see if that works. Um, right. Um, as usual, I'm doing this live uh, on Twitch as I'm recording this. I'm um, I'm streaming the show with video, of course. Uh, and um, yeah, I you know we'll have some live feedback probably uh, from Twitch chat, which is always cool. I like doing it, and I like giving people a bit of a behind the scenes look. You know, I have like a. I share my screen and you can see how I'm, I'm recording the show. Also, um, of course, if you want to see this after the fact, um, there's a, you know, if you go to Private Citizen Not Press, there's the show notes on there. So all the background material because the show wants you to t think for yourself. So I give you all the stuff to do that. And um, then there's a link uh, also. It, it talks about Twitch channel up the top. There's like this box and there's a link to a YouTube playlist. So up, I, I, you know, Twitch records these and I upload these to YouTube. And uh, I've, I've been told today that people uh, who are only listening to the audio version are missing something because apparently I look like a jazz player or something. I don't know. I had a speaking engagement this morning and so I was wearing a, uh, a shirt and a tie uh, and suspenders. Um, and I just, you know, I thought, you know, just say it professional. Might as well, you know, not change into the pajama to stream. Let's uh, let's mix up uh, Twitchy a little bit and look respectable. So, you know, if you want to see that, go to privatecitizen.press. Go there anyway uh, for the show notes. This is episode 93. So it's privatecitizen.press slash episode slash 93. But at the top, there's also links to all the episodes and a contact link, which uh, I'll mention later because I like feedback. So... If you feel anything about this podcast, you feel um, uh, like that I'm wrong or that I'm right, uh, please, please feel free to write me. Um, I, I look forward to your viewpoints. And with that, let's get into the uh, the, the first topic, which is, uh, you know, CIA and their plans um, about uh, WikiLeaks and uh, Julian Assange. So I don't know, do I have to explain? Maybe, I mean, we never really talked about WikiLeaks on this show so far, which is amazing in 93 episodes. Maybe I should give a quick, um, uh, you know, overview of what WikiLeaks is, who Assange is, and how I feel about the whole situation. Because I have mixed feelings about WikiLeaks. It's a very complicated topic. Um, so Julian Assange is a Australian, I don't know, is he's a journalist. I think he was he worked as a journalist before. 
but he's also like a computer programmer, a bit of a hacker. Um, he started a website called WikiLeaks, which was in hindsight um, obvious, uh, a combination out of you know creating wiki and having, you know, giving whistleblowers the opportunity to upload raw material. Um, so instead of them, you, you know, the standard model being whistleblower gives that to a journalist, the journalist decides what to publish. Uh, in this case, it's more direct to the public, like kind of bypassing the press, which, I mean, I'm a professional journalist, uh, but I can understand, I've been very critical of the press, as you know, I can understand the impulse to want to bypass the press. I don't think, you know, sometimes with the reporting that results, um, I can see how somebody uh, who is just trying to get information out to some, would be disappointed. So to me, this was a straightforward thing. Um, of course, uh, Assange made himself a lot of enemies doing this, um, which was inevitable. And um, he ended up being, um, I don't think, was he actually indicted? I, yeah, I think he was indicted, right, in Sweden for rape allegations. Um, and he fled those, like, because, I mean, he was, uh, you know, he was just visiting Sweden for a while and living there. And then he just fled to the UK. Um, and, um, so he was, uh, he was afraid. He always denied these allegations. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't really want to get into whether they are justified and what happened. We don't know. The only thing we know is that Sweden by now uh, has actually dropped these. So there, there are no charges against uh, Assange. They're not even looking for him anymore. Um, anyway, so he fled, uh, because he didn't want to, he was afraid that um, wherever he was, in this case Sweden, uh, there would be political pressure to use this, um, uh, these charges of, of rape to extradite him to the US once he was actually, um, you know, imprisoned basically uh, in, in the legal system. Because of course, um, one thing he did is uh, as, as part of his work, let's call it that, with WikiLeaks, uh, he helped uh, Manning, uh, Chelsea Manning, uh, back in the day, Bradley Manning, to steal, as you know, the critics would say, information um, uh, pertaining to the the wars in Afghanistan. So, um, you know, Manning obviously uh, been indicted for treason for that. Uh, you know, served some time, got pardoned. But now they're looking for Assange for that. But basically, Assange, I think it's not even about the, the charges. He was just afraid they're going to they're gonna drum up anything. And um, they're going to try to um, convict him in the U.S. for basically for spying. Because he helped, you know, in his work with WikiLeaks, obviously helped leak these materials. Um, yeah, which is, a, is an issue that is close to your heart if you're a journalist. Because if you consider him a journalist, um, I mean, that's the same exact same thing a journalist would do. You're talking about, um, you know, let's say some writer at the New York Times, you know, gets a whistleblower from from the army or whatever, from intelligence, uh, leaking this kind of stuff, and then indicting that journalist for that hacking. Because, you know, apparently their point revolves around, uh, you know, Assange not publishing, not only publishing the materials, but uh, helping Manning to... Um, hack them, right? Help to access these servers. Um, and, you know, you can you can debate whether that is a, a journalistic thing to do, but uh, I can tell you uh, from my personal experience working, you know, writing about IT security, 
that you know not you know not hacking to get materials but like as a journalist often you will be faced with the dilemma of somebody going coming to you saying oh i found a security vulnerability um and as a journalist who takes their job seriously as part of your research you will have to independently verify that that's true um and that could bring you in a new situation where you actually um you know make yourself you actually you'll actually do something that is uh, that you could get indicted for you know that's criminal um so it's kind of that same situation that's why this whole and uh, we're going to talk about that in a bit the whole the whole um question of whether wikileaks uh, is actually and assange is a journalist and that's very important um <laughs> super user says in twitch chat assange was an emacs user when he was a programmer and you can still find in use some of his scripts dating back to the 90s um yeah i the, the i kind of the guy as a person uh, i i don't think i find him um very um I don't know, appealing, very, very, uh, I'm, I'm not very sympathetic to him as a person. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, I find him a bit creepy and that he's an Emacs user just, just cements that for me. Um, <laughs> you know, if you said he was a Vim user, I'd be, I'd be more, uh, I'd be more open to considering the guy a friend. I don't know. <laughs> um, Superuser says WikiLeaks did make some serious mistakes, like publishing a list of every gay man in Baghdad. Things a panel of journalists would have hopefully highlighted. You can imagine what happened to them in such a conservative country. Yes, true, but like journalists make a lot of mistakes themselves, right? Uh, who was actually the Intercept? Uh, you know, uh, when they published the material they got from um, Reality Winner, uh, they actually uh, helped convict. Uh, Reality winner, I think her is it. I don't. I don't even know. I don't even know who, who cares. Convict them, um, because they they were found. Uh, I think it was CIA, right? They were leaked from CIA or the NSA. I don't know. Some you know. But basically, there were some hidden uh, printer dots on the document, and the intercept just scanned it in. And you know, j journalists have have made these mistakes. Um, that is a valid argument, you know, uh, but it's the same argument that people in the air quotes intelligence community level against WikiLeaks. You know, they 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 risk exposing operatives and stuff like that. Yes, true, uh, but you know, I mean, it, it's 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 balancing, right? I would say yes, that that's a problem. That's why I'm historically, if you listen back to very old podcasts I did, you know, when we were mainly talking about Linux, uh, for example, Linux Outlaws, but we were talking about stuff like this as well. Um, always, because I'm a political human, right? I'm a political animal. I like po talking about politics, obviously. Um, that was always my uh, my problem with WikiLeaks. But you know, the 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 counterpoint is that traditional media and the way they publish these things have um, basically a little bit ruined their reputation, right? There have been many instances where whistleblower whistleblowers went to establish publications and they were just afraid or didn't for some political reason didn't want to publish the stuff or they, they watered it down or whatever um and um or you know simple things is just turning it into clickbait basically uh so it's it's like a like basically anything in the world it's like a gray area right there's some things about wikileaks that are not good uh that i don't like um, but there are things about WikiLeaks that are better 
about you know better than what their model let's put it that way like the model of releasing something directly and they didn't release everything directly right they themselves vetted stuff they, they were just sometimes not as experienced uh, or maybe a bit more radical than than a traditional journalist would have been right and i kind of like that about them sometimes they went okay we're going to publish this who cares about cia spies and i can understand that feeling um because i mean if you are you know an operative for, for the CIA and you're in a foreign country, you're in danger of your life anyway, right? That is not, like, I, I don't have sympathy for these people. These are people who undermine other countries, other, undermine democracies, kill people, uh, you know, rend do renditions and other horrible stuff, torture people. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's a bit eye for an eye when it comes to that, I feel. Um, uh, I appreciate used to run an ISP, says super user, but are most tech journalists equipped to properly verify security stories and solutions? Cybersecurity is a field of study by itself that's beyond the average programmer, let alone writer. You're true. I didn't run an ISP. I used to work at an ISP for a while in a very low level uh, support uh, role. But yes, you're right. I've worked for a, um, I'm not a typical journalist. I've worked for a, uh, a very specialized uh, publication. Um, where we actually could do these things. Um, and if you can't, you should find somebody. Um, a large part um, of what I did at Heiser was actually helping out other journalists. Uh, and we couldn't, We always offered um, more mainstream publications to help them. Uh, we were constantly trying um, to interface with people uh, at the level of, you know, Zeitspiegel or something like that. And um, we did some collaborations, but one of the reasons why I got very disillusioned with, let's call it, I'll just call it mainstream media because that, that's what it is, you know, the publications that most people read, um, was that they didn't even want help uh, because, of course, everybody wants, wants a scoop. And um, especially if journalism, that's also why I don't like J schools, journalism went to J, journalists went to J school, which I never did. Um, they seem to get drummed into their head that like the scoop is the most important thing. And I worked constantly worked for people who um, prioritized getting the story right um, over getting first. Become, you know, and that's why Heiser is not a mainstream publication because they will take a long time to publish a story. They'll always get scooped, uh, but their stories are you know consistently better than anybody else's because they just get people with the technical um, expertise. And I think if you if you work at a mainstream, a big newspaper, and you don't have that expertise, you have to get somebody to get that expertise. And you have to, you know, I feel like you have to check this stuff. Um, and But, you know, it's not only what I was referring to that, you know, if you're a journalist, you make yourself, you, you might do something that's illegal. That, that happens to all journalists. If you are political journalists, um, you might get embroiled into stuff um, that will get leveled corruption charges leveled against you or whatever if you're on the police beat um you know i know i've known people in germany uh on on the police beat who uh you know back when back in this actually only quite a few years ago when you know wasn't that long ago when the police switched to digital encrypted radio a long time ago it was just analog and you could just listen to it and I knew people who were in the police beat who had police scanners, which is actually illegal in Germany. It's not like in the US where, you know, that's actually, the police is actually in many ways, it's not, it's not allowed to encrypt, which is why I can listen to LAPD radio over the internet, which is kind of cool. 
Uh, but in Germany, listening to that's actually criminally, like you get jail time for that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, there's an assumption that when you're doing a job and you're kind of working for the public, um, right? It's still illegal, but you probably won't get indicted for this kind of stuff. Um, so, it, so it applies to every journalist a little bit. So you know, that's why why even journalists like me who didn't like Assange and what you like, I mean, I I was kind of a little bit. I didn't like WikiLeaks methods that much for the reasons we just discussed. Um, but like even journalists that were much more hostile to him and there, there were a lot because, you know, for a while there, journalists kind of saw themselves threatened by this new model, right? Because uh, if you want to scoop and you kind of have to court whistleblowers, they, you know, they should come to you. Um, now, if they can just leak this stuff on the internet, why should they come to you? They're probably more safer that way either. Um, so you lose us these stories and, you know, the press will lose out on that. So many people were very hostile to him. But pretty much every journalist... Um, still defended him because it, it was it's very clear that if he gets labeled uh, not a journalist or if they if, if as a journalist they do certain things to him then like all of us are next um, because essentially what it comes down to is we're doing the same job we're doing the same work um, and that's why I consider Assange a journalist because at the end of the day what what he or what is he is doing? Well, he's kind of in jail right now, so he can't do that. But you know what he was doing was informing the public in the um, interest of the public. That's essentially what a journalist is. The same reason why I don't make a distinction between a blogger and somebody who works at the New York Times. Um, you know, the distinction might be reach, but sometimes the blogger even has more reach. Who cares? Um, it's about what they're doing and how how are they doing it. Are they actually right? There's different bloggers, right? There's there's people basically just you know they're influencers or whatever. They're just recycling PR from companies. I don't consider them journalists, but if they actually do journalistic work um, and they're trying to be um, as objective, or you know did did or they're trying to you know write stuff from their viewpoint but being transparent about it in the interest of the the consumer or the general public, then I that I would consider a journalist, right? Whereas an influencer who is just getting money for like, or the PR person who writes, I mean, they even write it might write it on a site that looks like it's a journalistic site, but if 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 it's only meant to, um, you know, basically pay the bills and 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 project PR outwards, then it's not in the interest of the public, I feel. Um, but anyway, so you know, Wiki that's WikiLeaks, that's Julian Assange. Obviously he went to jail. He's um he uh well he had to well he 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 didn't go to jail. He fled Sweden, then he was in the UK, then he was actually I think he was indicted, right? There was a court case and he had to they gave him like an ankle bracelet and uh so he basically had to remind himself he had to like be uh, at the mercy of the court. And he fled. He took that thing off and he fled to the uh, Ecuadorian embassy in London uh, where he was holed up for, I think, seven years, right? Um, until they revoked his status, kicked him out. The British police picked him up, carried him out. Um, and now he's been in custody, even though the... And then they kind of fudged it because at that point, the Swedish had dropped their charges and they were like, we're not interested in getting this guy and we're not interested in getting him in uh, you know 
um, extradited to the US uh, because our charges have nothing to do with, I think actually the judge in the case, I think it was a she, I can remember. I don't know. But like they were, they were basically saying, um, they have actually no interest in, in carrying this further because there's not enough proof that Assange actually, you know, uh, raped somebody. Um, and we're talking Swedish rape laws are very strict. They're some of the strictest in the world. Um, you know, there, there are, um, in, in Germany, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the bar for rape to prove that it is, it was rape is, is really high. Um, so you have to actually, uh, like the victim has to prove that it wasn't consensual. You can't just say it wasn't consensual. Um, in Sweden, it's somewhat more complicated and somewhat easier to actually convict somebody as far as I understand the law. I'm obviously not a lawyer um, <laughs> and I'm not Swedish. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, so they were dropping that as I said, there wasn't enough evidence. And they also said they don't want to be like a public, they want this, they don't want this to be a public thing, you know, a, a political play thing where like now it's just a tool for the US to get him extradited. But anyway, the, in the UK, uh, the legal system, uh, kind of fudged it and they were kind of creative because they then actually arrested Assange for jumping bail. Because seven years ago, when he went to the uh, Ecuadorian embassy, uh, obviously he uh, was out on bail or whatever, like with the ankle price. Um, I, at the time, I read something about this that that was a bit wobbly as to like what the statute of limitation or something is on that in the UK. I don't know, uh, but they obviously have a, have a case. Otherwise, he wouldn't he wouldn't be in jail. Uh, but you know, they were pretty creative. Then put him in jail, and uh, currently, actually, he is. Um, uh, a judge said he's not going to be extradited to the U.S. So he'll serve a sentence for jump, which isn't that long, I think, uh, for jumping bail in the U.K. And then he's free. Um, but that was like on psychological grounds. His uh, psychologist said that he would probably like be under risk of suicide if he was extradited to the U.S. And now there's actually an appeal. I think the uh, the second hear hearing is actually tomorrow, and then there'll be a decision later on uh, whether that gets overturned. So he might still get extradited. Um, the U.S. apparently have made um, some concessions where they said they weren't going to put him in some like supermax prison. Uh, I think Florence. I don't know why that was specifically bad. I think that's where all the terrorists are. Um, is a PBX Florence. Um, but, um, they're, uh, they also said they might give him the option to actually, uh, surface, like they wanted to, I think, convict him in the U S and then surface time in Australia, but Australia hasn't said whether they actually want him, um, Super user says, uh, this is spicy, but do you think the suicide stuff is real regarding Assange? Think back to Epstein and Mac McAfee in p particular. He was going pretty crazy in the embassy, apparently, but in fairness, he was locked into a small room for about six years. Yeah, I think he's definitely definitely has psychological issues. He must have. He's been locked in that room, right? With like They actually had to install a shower for him because he didn't have, didn't have in the beginning, he didn't have any real like hygiene uh you know facilities 
Uh, I mean, he's definitely. I mean, definitely, he must. He must be. I mean, I, I don't think he was ever the stablest pace uh, um, person to begin with. I don't know if he's at risk of suicide. I have no idea. I don't know what happened with Epstein either. Um, it does. It does look a bit fishy, but I don't know. With McAfee, mm, I actually don't know. McAfee was crazy. I think we can say that. I mean, if you've seen the video with McAfee going, how do you install like McAfee antivirus and he's like snorting blow off his laptop and then it's like there's hookers everywhere and then he literally like fucking shoots his fucking laptop with a 45 and says it's the only way to uninstall this crap. I mean, the, the guy was a bit unhinged, so I don't know. All bets are off. I don't know what happened there. Um... I don't, you know, I wouldn't like what we're going to talk about now. Having keeping that in mind, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get it, put it past the U.S. As they call themselves, intelligence community, uh, to make him disappear once he's in the U.S. Right, he'll he'll have an accident. Um, I that that wouldn't surprise me, in the slightest. Um, so what happened? So uh, we had, oh, when was this actually published? I should probably look this up. Link, of course, Private Citizen of Press. Um, uh, on 26th of September, Yahoo News, of all places, published a very long story, very interesting story, uh, you know, talking to, uh, as they say, more than 30 former U.S. officials, um, eight of whom described details of the CIA's proposal to abduct Assange. And... Um, you know, obviously unnamed sources. Uh, so who knows? But this sounds, this all sounds very plausible, I, I think. Um, so basically, uh, they, they, these sources said uh, that there were plans to um, both abduct Assange, uh, having several scenarios about that, and then there were questions raised uh, to kill him. Um, so I, I don't think it's... Um, it's um you know it it sounds like it sounds like a likely story especially if you read some books about the CIA and what they've pulled in the past i don't think it's at least um unrealistic or a conspiracy theory to say um they they, they had options for this i think they always have options for everything and i also believe that pompeo and probably trump went you know can we do something about this that doesn't mean that trump wanted to do it um but I think it's realistic to assume that they um, that they were thinking about this. Um, so why why did this happen? Of course. Um, so let let's sketch this a little bit. Um, so Assange is in the embassy. It's Obama's uh, presidency, and uh, Obama um, was originally a relatively um, tame on WikiLeaks and basically classified them as journalists and said, you know, we can't, we, we're not going to do anything about these guys. Um, and then still, uh, while this was happening, the Snowden stuff happened and we had the NSA revelations. That's when it turned, like the security apparatus, even during the Obama presidency, kind of turned against WikiLeaks. But apparently the Obama presidency was still... Um, adamant that like these people are journalists um and um 
that that later changed. I'm going to go back into that. I just uh, re remembered. Maybe at the beginning, I should just quickly talk about what the actual plans were. So I'm just going to read a quick bit from the story um, on Yahoo News. In response, the CIA and White House... So this is... Um, so basically, um, Assange is in the embassy and they get wind of um, Russia wanting to break him out and get him to Russia, right? This is after Snowden. So Putin's done that with Snowden. It's been a great PR coup for him. So they're thinking the Russians going to do this again. In response, the CIA and the White House began preparing for a number of scenarios to foil Assange's Russian departure plans, according to three former officials. Those included potential gun battles with Kremlin operatives on the streets of London, crashing a car into a Russian diplomatic vehicle transporting Assange and then grabbing him and shooting out the tires of a Russian plane trying carrying Assange bef before it could take off for Moscow. U.S. Official, officials asked their British counterparts to do the shooting if gunfire was required, and the British agreed, according to a former senior administration official. So this all, like, you know, Obama was more on a, on a posture where it's like, you know, we're not going to do anything about these guys. Then Snowden happens, and um, obviously connected to WikiLeaks um, and, you know, Greenwald and all of that. And then uh, Obama and the, the administration actually changed their f their feel because, like, their their approach because the feeling inside the um, so-called intelligence community, the spooks, is this is really bad. This is shitty. Like, we can't have that. Um, so the the approach changes to let's spy on those. Right. So, uh, as the story says, in the wake of the Snowden revelations, the Obama administration. Um, allowed the intelligence community to prioritize collection on WikiLeaks, according to uh, Evelina, who he was like the the top uh, intelligence official until the beginning of this year. Um, now the CEO of Evelina Group. Previously, if the FBI needed a search warrant to go into the group's databases in the United States or wanted to use subpoena power or national or a national security letter to gain access to WikiLeaks-related financial records. That quote, that wasn't going to happen, another former senior counterintelligence official said. That changed after 2013. So after Snowden, we're getting a different posture of the U.S. government towards WikiLeaks, whistleblowers, and stuff like that. And um, so what they're now trying to do uh, is actually, this is like, I think, a concerted effort by a lot of people in the U.S. intelligence apparatus and the government to some degree, this is still the Obama government, um, basically to have WikiLeaks and Assange reclassified from journalists because, you know, Obama's thing, thing hinges on their journalists, um, their protections, First Amendment stuff. We have to care about this. Like with the, the same thing that journalists were saying, right? This is, is going to set a precedent. So we can't, like, we have to treat these guys as journalists. Now, there was a, in the intelligence community, they were trying to change that. Um, or as the story says, still chafing at the limits in place top, after it was relaxed in 2013. Still limits, right? Still chafing at the limits in place. Top intelligence officials lobbied the White House to redefine WikiLeaks and some high-profile journalists as, quote, information brokers, including Greenwald, by the way. Greenwald and Laura Poitras, uh, which would have opened up the use of more investigative tools against them. 
potentially paving the way for their prosecution, according to former officials. Is WikiLeaks a journalistic outlet? Are Laura Proitras and Glenn Greenwald truly journalists? The former official said. We tried to change the definition of them, and then I preached this to the White House and got rejected. Yeah, of course you got, because of course Glenn Greenwald's the fucking journalist. He was working for the the, the, the Guardian at the time. I mean, if you can like reclassify Glenn Greenwald, don't laugh, Glenn Greenwald. Uh, Glenn Greenwald as a not you know from journalist to something else to like foreign spy information broker whatever then you can you know declassify any journalist um, now one thing I have to point out that, that this whole story doesn't point out and it's a very long story which I find kind of mind-boggling uh, we're generally talking about we're talking about Assange being a journalist or not. And then we're talking about him getting abducted illegally. Clearly, the story is like, oh, they weren't clear if that was legal. What do you mean? You're a U.S. entity. You're going to London to, to abduct a, a, an Australian citizen. Like, the guy could be the most wanted guy on your most wanted list. Basically, Obama bin Laden. Who the fuck cares? You have no jurisdiction. You're not allowed to go to London and just abduct people. And when they're not even your citizens, it makes it even worse because you get like a, you know, a third country involved who, you know, who might have claims, whatever. Of course it was illegal. And, and when you're talking about abducting or even like killing these people, what the fuck does it care if they're, like, does it matter if they're journalists or not? Right, I guess the, I get the press angle. That's what I talked about earlier. I get that. I'm a journalist, but still, we're talking about kidnapping civilians here, maybe killing them. Like, how? Why? Like, what? That's how. Like, that's why I fucking hate intelligence people, because like, how perverted does your brain have to be if you make the decision if you're kidnapping or, or shooting somebody, like related to their fucking job? Like, legally, you're clearly doing something wrong. Clearly. Like, why does, like, I mean, I don't think it's, uh, it's like putting yourself out there. It would have been putting yourself out there by the, by the fucking Yahoo, Yahoo News. Yahoo. It sounds like a fucking, fucking redneck news. Yahoo News. Look, latest, I got the name, the latest issue of the Yahoo News. Um, like, you're not putting yourself out there if you say, of course this would have been illegal. You don't have to be, I'm not a fucking lawyer. It's clearly illegal. Like, it's illegal in local law in the UK. It's illegal in international law. It's like, you don't have to go to law school to figure that out. And then, of course, it's, that is, of course, the case. And it's, of course, also morally wrong. Like, clearly, <laughs> talking about shooting the guy, doesn't matter if he's a journalist or not. Like, what the fuck, man? I, I don't, I don't get it. Um, so now they're debating about this, right? The, the FBI, the NSA, the CIA, all of these 16 fucking intelligence services or however many they have now. I think it's a, it's a new one every month, isn't it? Um, they were like 2015 and they're debating this shit, man. And uh, this is before Trump got elected. Now we have the email leak, the Clinton email leak. And now suddenly it turns. Like this is before Trump, even before Trump, the Obama administration, after the Clinton leak, when the when WikiLeaks published, you know, uh, so so Hillary Clinton, very quickly, I'm not. Uh, this is not a conspiracy theory. This is fact as we know it. Hillary Clinton had an email server that was not on like the government systems, right? She had a her own email server, which is understandable. You know, it was a campaign server or something. 
uh, which apparently was illegal. But I'm I'm not a specialist in that kind of you know whatever that law like election law or whatever that would be. Uh, but she had that email server. That email server got hacked. Uh, the hacked emails got leaked by WikiLeaks. Now, the U.S. intelligence services figured out apparently that the the, the so-called hacker uh, who went by the name of Gusefer Gusefer 2.0 was actually the GRU. So that's the Russian. Uh, isn't it actually the internal? I'm going to have to look this up now. Um, the GRU is the no, it's the military intelligence service. Yeah, I was the oh god, I'm gonna just gonna Evgeny's gonna write in about this. Glovnoye Razdvet Yavtelno Glovnoye Razvertelno Ye Upralevnie. I think Upralevnie is the service, isn't it? Um. Yeah, so the military intelligence of it. Anyway, uh, so this this alleged hacker was apparently the Russians, right? Um, um, Astral C says, oh, this is actually a good question uh, from Twitch chat. After all these years, I still don't get why the U.S. want Assange. Does he have secrets or just as a warning to others? You got it. It's a, First of all, it's, it's, it's revenge. They actually say that in the story. I'm not getting... Not, didn't want to get into that. I thought it wasn't that important. But yes, they, you know, they um, were embarrassed. The CIA was personally embarrassed by this guy. Uh, they want revenge, um, and also they want to. Yeah, if they have to, um, they have to make an example of him, right? Because if he gets away, that sends the message that you can actually steal fucking and publish secrets from the U.S. intelligence services, armed forces, and like fucking embarrass them and you can get away they do not want that under any circumstances so that's why they want um but yes um so okay back to the clinton email server what we have to point out here which i never talked about this because we never talked about this on the show but i think this is very important this is something people do not get in that discussion there's lots of conspiracy theories i don't want to get into i don't want to debate if trump won the election because of that as yahoo news just takes this fact i don't know if you can actually figure that out um it that, did it have influence on the election like that act proving that actually is like a huge can of worms i don't know i don't care like in that whole discussion and this back and forth and this vitriol and political what most people just leave out of that is the following what assange and, Wik- and wikileaks did there was yeah, illegal access to a server. Uh, we can discuss if that's um, ethical. We can, we can discuss if that's good journalistic practice. Let's put it that way. It's not. Uh, I think that's easy. Um, but what what pretty much everybody in this discussion leaves out, which I think is by the side on, let's say, the Democrat side that are like anti-Trump, whatever, uh, they do this on purpose. Um, they're trying to obfuscate one simple fact. This was all true. Nobody faked any emails. It doesn't really matter to the public, right? Let's look at that. We're the private citizens, right? This is a podcast from a private citizen for a private citizen. I only care about the public and what's good for the public. Not the rich people, the politicians. I don't give a fuck. The elites, they can go fuck themselves. It's about us, you and me. You know, we're just getting by on our fucking salary or whatever, or me and my my Patreon uh, <laughs> money. Um 
who cares? Like for us, somebody released true things that were facts that existed for us to read. That was a net good for society, I feel. Right? These, these weren't, these emails weren't fake. They weren't make, nobody ever, even like from the Clinton camp uh, in the fucking uh, DNC, nobody ever claimed that these weren't, that these were fake, that they were made up or anything. Um, and so there are two things. First of all, it's all true. And somebody just provided information to the public, which, you know, the end, the end don't justify the means. I'm not saying that. But like, generally, yes, it came from suspicious circumstances, illegal circumstances, whatever. But it's it's a benefit to, to the public, first of all, because you can read the politicians' emails. I mean, which, I mean you, you can see what's going on. The dealings, and there's, there's shitty stuff in there. Which, you know, if you'd released Trump emails, it would have been the exact same thing. Um, it's one-sided. Yes, it's probably influenced the election. That's all bad. But, you know, in, just the pure stuff. Nobody made anything up. This is just all stuff that existed. And secondly, it just came out because Clinton or her campaign was running this shitty email server and they were running it shittily, right? So if they had actually done stuff like they were apparently required to by the law, as far as I understand it, they might have not gotten hacked because maybe somebody would have run that email server who knew how to secure it. And I can tell you one thing. In my whole life, I've been, I've been using computers since 1989. Uh, I've run a lot of servers and a lot of crap. I've never, ever um, uh, you know, uh, succumbed to the hubris of thinking, oh, I can run my own email server. Because that's a fucking nightmare. And to do that correctly and securely is, uh, is as far as I can, I'm concerned, um, it's up there with the Apollo program to, to get that right. If you can do that, if you listen to this and you, you're a male administrator and you're doing this shit and you're doing it correctly, my hat's, hat's off to you. Um, unbelievable. I, could, like, I can't even imagine where to start. So first of all, they fucked up. Second of all, nobody. this is all just true information. So, like, what exactly is your issue here? Right? If it's the Russians and they did this to influence the election, that's a good story. I'm not saying that it does meaningless. That's important. Holy shit, that's a good story. But you shouldn't use that story to retract from whatever was in that email, emails because that's also a good story. And this is actually, this whole email leak is a very good argument for why WikiLeaks is important. Because normal journalists wouldn't have touched this thing with a fucking five-mile pole. This would have never gotten published. Right? And we've seen the exact thing repeat itself. This is why Greenwald quit The Intercept. Because the same thing happened with the fucking Biden laptop where they went, that's not real. We're not publishing that. That's why you fucking need WikiLeaks. If something like that is an issue for the public, and that's my that's my opinion, and this is why I do a podcast where I give you all the details, all the links, and then I, I encourage you to think for yourself. That's the whole thing about the show. And, you know, you might disagree with me. I don't care about that. Just fucking read it yourself. Think about it yourself. If there's such a, a back and forth about if this email, if this fucking laptop's real, just fucking release it and then everybody can see. 
I realize there's going to be collateral damage. I realize there's probably going to be naked pictures on there of people who are innocent. But that's on fucking Hunter Biden or whatever. Um, I, you know, in the email link, there are fucking emails that shouldn't be in there where people would just, you know, who haven't deserved this. But, you know, life is hard sometimes. And if the, if the, it, it, I'm not usually not, a, you know, the, 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 um, the good of the many outweighs the good of the few. I think that's a fallacy. I've talked about this before. Um, but I'm concerned with the interest of the public. And sometimes these things are in the interest of the public. And sometimes we have to, I think we have to see that. Especially if it's, in, in, in this case, we're not even going, oh, is it like Hillary Clinton? versus the public this is the fucking cia versus the public i think in that case it's always good for the public if we, if intelligence services are concerned it has, the only reason an intelligence service exists right let me tell you this as somebody who studies history and politics is it is clear if you study history and politics it is clear as day the only reason an intelligence service exists is because the state has to or wants to depends on how well you see it do things that have to be off the book, that are against laws. That's the reason why intelligence services exist. And then the argument is, in general, it is important to for the state to survive so it's better for the public. But if we actually get, if the public actually gets information about what they're doing and can decide for themselves, like what's not to love, that's exactly what we need. Um, that's, that's how I feel. Anyway, so 2015, um, we, we, you know, they were already discussing this and then then the DNC hack happens. Clinton, Hillary's emails get leaked, and uh, as a, as the story says uh, on Yahoo, Yahoo News, Yahoo, Yahoo News, um, the CIA now considered people affiliated with WikiLeaks valid targets for various types of spying, including close-in technical collection such as bugs, sometimes enabled by in-person espionage and remote operations in air quotes meaning among other things the hacking of wikileaks members devices from afar according to former intelligence officials the obama administration's view of wikileaks underwent what evanina described as a quote sea change shortly before donald trump helped in part by wikileaks release of democrat of democratic campaign emails won a surprise victory over hillary clinton in the 2016 election um so you know, this is, I mean, they're not, they're not spying on these people. Like, like now it's even for Obama, they hit us, right? The Democratic Party, not personal, um, spy on those guys. And then, of course, uh, once Trump comes in, um, it's like, now, of course, they're doing that, right? So, um, as, as, um, as Trump's national security team took their positions at the Justice Department and the CIA, officials wondered whether, despite his campaign trail declaration of, quote, love for WikiLeaks, Trump's appointees would uh, take a more hard, more hardline view of the organization. They were not to be disappointed. Quote, there was a fundamental change on how WikiLeaks was viewed, end quote, said a former senior counterintelligence official. When it came to prosecuting Assange, something the Obama administration had declined to do, the Trump White House had, well, the, the question is like, if, Trump, if um, Obama would have been in office after this, 
or you know, or Clinton would have got elected despite the leaks. Would have that that probably would have changed anyway. But that's my personal opinion. Um, something the Obama administration had declined to do. The Trump White House had a different approach. Said a former Justice Department official, "Quote: Nobody in that crew was going to be too broken up about the First Amendment issues." End quote. That sounds like um, that sounds like um, like Trump. To be honest, um, and uh, yeah, so. Um, so we're going from oh they're journalists we can't do anything about it to like we're now fucking like clearly clearly spying on them um and um because what happens now is vault seven i mean this this was even before that so so you know uh the clinton emails happen uh now obama even is like okay we're spying trump comes in they're like okay let's do this let's buy more or less whatever and now it gets personal because what what happens now immediately after Trump is in office is Vault Seven, i.e., um, WikiLeaks releases <laughs> the CIA's like top secret hacking tools, like the actual like part of the software and stuff like that. Uh, this is even more damaging than Snowden was for the NSA. Um, and and now the gloves come off. Now, um, like you know, because we're talking Trump, like Pompeo, who's uh, just been appointed uh, boss of the CIA, you know, gives a speech where he says, uh, "WikiLeaks walks like a hostile intelligence service and talks like a hostile intelligence service and has encouraged its followers to find jobs at the CIA in order to obtain intelligence." It's time to call out WikiLeaks for what it really is—a non-state hostile intelligence service, often abetted by state actors like Russia. Now you'd think this is propaganda. Um, but uh, Yahoo News actually makes a good point. So they have like the behind the scenes stuff on this, right? So what they're saying, um, so this is in response uh, to Vault 7. And now everything everything changes because now it's, polit- uh, it's personal. The CIA is basically facing, a, as, as they call it in the story, a catastrophe. And um, now, uh, you know, something something else, else happens because uh, I'm going to read some stuff from the story now. <clears throat> um, the immediate question facing Pompeo and the CIA was how to hit back against WikiLeaks and Assange. Agency officials found the answer in a legal sleight of hand. So they're, they're employing a trick here. Usually, for U.S. intelligence to secretly interfere with the activities of any foreign actor, the president must sign a document called a finding that authorizes such covert action, which must also be briefed to the House and Senate intelligence committees. In very sensitive cases, notification is limited to Congress's so-called Gang of Eight, the four leaders of the House and Senate, plus the chairperson and ranking member of the two committees. But there is impo- there's an important carve-out. Many of the same actions, if taken against another spy service, are considered, quote, offensive counterintelligence activities, which the CIA is allowed to conduct without getting a presidential finding or having to brief Congress, according to several former intelligence officials. Often, the CIA makes these decisions internally based on interpretations of so-called common law. Of course, they make it internally. Passed down in secret within the agency's legal core. I don't think people realize how much the CIA can do under offensive counterintelligence and how there is minimal oversight of it, said a former official. I don't know. If you've been watching spy movies, you probably know exactly what they're doing. But that's the point. So what they, what they did here, what Pompeo did here, wasn't just like brash and that's the speech. No, no. He very specifically branded WikiLeaks as a uh, at least a um, tool of a foreign intelligence agency. So basically a foreign intelligence agency 
so that they can do this shit. So now they can actually interfere with them even without telling Congress, right? Um, soon after the speech, Pompeo asked a small group of senior CIA officers to figure out, quote, the art of the possible, oh, he's been uh, reading Bismarck, apparently, when it came to WikiLeaks, said another former senior CIA official. He said, nothing's of limits, don't self-censor yourself, I need operational ideas from you, I'll worry about the lawyers in Washington. CIA headquarters in, in Langley, Virginia, sent the farm, sent messages directing CIA stations and bases worldwide to prioritize collection on WikiLeaks, according to the former, former senior agency official. The CIA's designation of WikiLeaks as a non-state hostile intelligence service enabled the doubling down of efforts globally and domestically on collection against the group. I love non-state intelligence service. Like, what is that? That does not exist. Like, okay, maybe if you're Al-Qaeda and you have an intelligence service, but really an intelligence service implies that you're a state, really. This is bullshit. Um, those efforts included tracking the movements and communications of Assange and other top WikiLeaks figures by, quote, tasking more on the tech side, recruiting more on the human side, and quote, said another former senior country intelligence official. Used by agencies developed good intelligence on WikiLeaks associates, pattern of life, particularly their travels within Europe, said a former national security official. Asked whether the CIA had broken into WikiLeaks associates' home and stolen or wiped the hard drive, a former intelligence official declined to go into detail, but said that, quote, some actions were taken. I'm going to take that as a yes. So the, the whole thing, like, with Andy Müller-Magoon and, uh, like, who was the other guy? Oh, God, that crazy guy was always saying uh, they broke into his apartment. Um, God, what was the guy? The guy with the glasses, the programmer. He, he was always at the CCC, later got canceled for apparently also, like, uh, coming on to women at the CCC. You know who I mean? I can't, I can't remember. Then I got his face in front of me. Um, he got so cancelled that he got cancelled on my brain. I remember we used to we talked about him on Linux Outlaws because like he was in the open source um, scene and like he was he was going on about I think they broke into my apartment in Berlin. Did he actually he moved to Berlin to be like more free or whatever, and then they broke into his um, um, his. I'm, I'm gonna have to. I don't even know what to search for. I know he. He was there wasn't he part of the CCC um uh WikiLeaks uh apart apartment I have no idea what I'm like I'm I'm not gonna cut this out. I'm gonna try to find this live on the show. Um no, it wasn't Andy Müller Magoon. I know they broke into his apartment as well. He, he gave a talk about that at the CCC like last year. Um, so now it's all about that talk. God, I got it's so annoying. I got the guy's face. I, I can see his face, and I can't remember his name. It's like on the tip of my tongue. Um, uh, do, 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 do. What the hell was his? Uh, what did what what else did he do? Um, what can I? How can I find this? Um, 
Jacob Applebaum, exactly. Astro C, thank you. Your Google Foo is much better than mine. Uh, Jacob Applebaum, right. He was, uh, what did he do again? Wait, let me just. He got so canceled that he got like canceled out of my brain. Um, I wonder what he's up to now. Um, let me just, uh, let me just see. So yeah, he, so um, he was, he was dealing with the Snowden uh, documents, actually classified as a journalist here. Interestingly. Oh yeah, he was, yes, he was spokesperson for Tor. That was it. That was it. Um, yeah. Since 2015 and as of 2017, Applebaum's a PhD student at the Eindhoven University of Technology. Uh, oh, there's nothing new in this Wikipedia stuff after like 2016. I think I think he dropped off the face of the planet. But he was also going on about like they broke into my apartment. He was always a bit unstable, so I, I wasn't buying it at the time. Like the Andy Müller-Magoon stuff was was recently it was was much better documented, and the guy's much more stable. And uh, uh, yeah, I don't. So maybe they're, they're pretty sure they broke into Apple Bomb's apartment as well. Yo, he probably wasn't crazy. I mean, I pretty much have confirmation now. Um, yeah, and then now they're like working on the plans, right? You know, break into the embassy. <laughs> the idea was to break into the embassy, drag Assange out and bring him to where we want. Um, some discussions even went beyond kidnapping. US officials had also considered killing Assange, according to three former officials. Um, and then, you know, they're saying here, <clears throat> it was viewed as unhinged and ridiculous, recalled his former C senior CIA official of the suggestion Um I recall this former CIA official's suggestion. It is. I've been talking a lot today. You can probably tell. Sorry, my voice is going a bit. It's unclear how serious the proposals to kill songs really were. Quote, I was told they were just spitballing. End quote, said a former senior counterintelligence official briefed on the discussions about, quote, kinetic options. I like that. That's why I made that the song, uh, the, 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 the song title, the episode title. So good. Kinetic options. There's such that's CIA talk. It's, it's it's hilarious. I'm going to keep using that. Um, I really don't like this guy. Uh, what are our kinetic options for him? <laughs> Regarding the WikiLeaks founder, um, it was just Trump being Trump. Nonetheless, at roughly the same time, agency executives requested and received sketches of plans for killing Assange and other Europe-based WikiLeaks members. So not only Assange, uh, who had access to Vault 7 materials, said, former, said a former intelligence official. See, this is why when like the Russians go and poison somebody's tea with like plutonium or like like you know, spread Novi shock all over the north of England or whatever. Like, you can't really, when, when then the government, like the UK government, the uh, US government goes, oh, this is reprehensible. You're like, at the same time, they're like having like sketches in air quotes, like plans prepared all the time for this kind of stuff, right? It's just like, and the thing is like, you don't know if they're just making plans and they never put them into action or if they just don't get caught. It is better than the Russians, right? I mean, such double standards. Um, there were discussions on, quote, on whether killing Assange was possible and whether it was legal, end quote. Like, <laughs> you know, like discussions if it was legal. How would that be fucking legal? Right? Like, I mean, maybe in the US, you know, that was probably legal to just fucking kill Osama bin Laden. 
instead of like putting him on tri on, on trial, which under the rule of law you would kind of expect. But like it's not legal in the country where you're doing it. <laughs> it's just, so it's I don't know. I would say it's not legal in that case. But what do I know? I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a judge, obviously. Um, but this is actually interesting. Whatever Trump's views of the matter at the time, his NSC's uh, his National Security Council, his NSC lawyers were bulwarks against the CIA's potentially legal proposals, according to former officials. While people think the Trump administration didn't believe in the rule of law, they had good lawyers who were paying attention to it, said a former senior intelligence official. It's not a very popular thing to say, but I believe that, actually. I believe Trump, you know, Trump got in so much legal trouble even before he was president. I believe he had good lawyers. Uh, I, I would believe that in a heart at a drop of a hat um so it's kind of the, the thing i wanted to drive home here is like this is not about obama or about whoever is president joe biden donald trump that's what they they that's what a lot of my colleagues when they were writing about this kind of stuff in in recent years um they were always kind of trying to make out this is about Trump or whatever. Trump is evil. Maybe Trump is evil. Doesn't matter. Trump is gone. The point here is the CIA is fucking evil. The CIA is doing this. The CIA, who was, like, a lot of them were opposed to Trump. Same as the FBI. There was a lot of people in the apparatus. We know about this because, like, they wrote fucking op-eds in the New York Times, right? Uh, a lot of these people were actually opposed to Trump. But still, they're still doing this shit. They're debating, and they're debating this right now. I can tell you, they're debating right now if it's legal to kill to kill some guy somewhere, right? This is all fuck. Doesn't matter who's fucking president. Obama had meetings every Tuesday. We bought, we know about these, like the kill the kill Tuesdays, where they were going through lists with fucking Obama at the table, thinking about who to fucking drone, i.e., kill. Uh, you know, in, in Iraq or Afghanistan or whatever. So they're all the same. Like, and these fucking intelligence agencies, they're not elected for four or eight years. They're always there. Like, they're, they're just, these fucking scumbags are always there. They're sitting there and they're doing their plans. And they're like, oh, we can't, we want to kill that guy, but he's a journalist, so it's maybe not so popular. Like, what the fuck? You're talking about killing another human being for essentially releasing the truth so the rest of the world can see it. And just out of spite, because, you know, they fucking embarrass you or whatever. It's unbelievable. Like, that's not even... There's, like, there's corruption in politics, right? And in the government. This isn't fucking corruption. This is, like, corruption of the fucking soul. <laughs> this is, like, soul rot. Uh, it's, it's, un it's unbelievable. And this is why I can't stand when, like, CNN puts on some guy who used to be, like, the CIA director or whatever, like, Brennan. Like, the fucking people who, like fucking randest shit you're talking like people are complaining about like companies being immoral and fucking you know ruining the planet like these guys these guys are they're literally talking about killing people and like oh yeah we had some discussions this was legal and you know i just i just went to the to the white house and said you know we should really stop classifying these people as journalists so we can fucking shoot them in the head jesus this is not a fucking video. We're not talking a video game. We're not talking a movie. This is the re the real world. This is the real world, right? 
people are discussing about like gun laws and can like some guy own a gun or whatever and it's all being so dangerous and the same people completely ignore that their fucking own government runs this shit they run agencies who talk about killing other people it's unbelievable kinetic like a bullet says astro c in twitch chat yes because that's just the kinetic option that's what we're calling it we're not killing somebody we're just discussing kinetic options I'm just gonna keep this. <laughs> Sir, were you talking about killing this man on your podcast? Uh, your Honor, I wasn't killing. I wasn't talking about killing anybody. We were just discussing kinetic options. <laughs> Promise, I won't be able to give a straight face when I say this shit. This is why I'm not in PR or like a fucking intelligence service. <laughs> um, now, of course, uh, I've talked about this. Now, Assange is he's still being, um, you know. And the threat of being extradited, whatever. But we kind of still move. We, we've, we've moved on from WikiLeaks anyway. Um, this is all... We don't care about this anymore. Because as the story says in the end. Uh, meanwhile, WikiLeaks may be increasingly obsolete. The growing ability of groups and individuals, whistleblowers or dissidents, spies or criminals, to publish leaked materials online diminished the group's raison d'etre. Raison d'etre. We're kind of post-WikiLeaks right now, said a former senior counterintelligence official. Or, you know, with, that, with other words, uh, the threat is now uh, not WikiLeaks. It's now basically perceived by these people perceived the threat as coming from the whole internet. And that brings us uh, seamlessly into the next topic. <laughs> was saying i said seamlessly and played a bumper that's not it's not very seamlessly but yeah so so i want to bend this around now to my other topic which i think i think actually think is connected so it's basically like a two two thronged approach or attack um if you break it down this whole the whole thing i was talking about the whole outrage cia basically what that is is the state trying to prevent uh, people from releasing information so the public can see. That's all we have. The CIA is a government organization. It's sanctioned by the government, and uh, if they're talking about killing somebody or you know breaking people's apartments, disrupting their servers, whatever, um, we're talking about the state-sanctioned state um actions or in some cases even violence against people who I consider to be generally working in the interest of the public. What they're just trying to do is releasing material, raw materials, or, you know, talking about what they see, the what we like to call facts, you know, what you perceive as truth, and, and talking about that and reporting about that. Now, WikiLeaks was kind of a fluke. It was... Um, I think this article is right. We are post-WikiLeaks because, you know, thinking about it, nobody fucking needs WikiLeaks. It was a good idea having a wiki, or it wasn't really a wiki, let's be honest, but like, you know, having a website where anybody could read anything, but we don't need that anymore. We got Pastebin. We can we can now release it. We can just put a, put a document in some cloud storage. I mean, we can now put it on the blockchain if we want. <laughs> you can put it anywhere, and anybody can do it. And that's, that's the internet. That's why the internet, as I've talked often about, is a threat to journalism because now any, anybody can publish anything. And so it's also a, a, 
a threat to uh, the rich, the powerful, corrupt people because there people can now get their hands on proof or on uh, you know on 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 data uh, that that shows that people are doing this thing, they're doing things in the dark, maybe maybe they're moving money around. Maybe they're laundering money. Maybe they're not paying their taxes. Right? You can do that, and you can release that, and the public can see that. Now, I've talked a little bit about before about this unholy alliance between what I, I think is an unholy alliance between journalists and intelligence services, and this crystallizes it even more, because I mean the intelligence services have an interest of disrupting this, disrupting people getting their opinion out. You know, people like me saying these things. Uh, it's uncomfortable, but then even, you know, people releasing uh, confidential materials is even worse. So they're trying to stop that. Um, and in a, I mean, in what must be the biggest irony in the universe right now, journalists, whose actually job it is to be on the side of the people against intelligence services who are lying, cheating agents of the state, by definition, who put out propaganda, that's their fucking job. Journalists are on the other team. But they perceive the same internet and the same websites and the same ability to publish by, by anybody as a, as a danger. And so they are also opposed to, you know, operations like WikiLeaks, people that are doing this kind of stuff. They are trying to, like, you know, now even trying to brand them as not journalists in the beginning as i said they were pretty much all smart enough to see if it's if assange is not a journalist then you probably yourself aren't either um but that that's turning we now have a a, a press that is driving a, a, a public discourse where this kind of leaking and generally just free speech is discouraged where that is uh painted as something bad you know that is hate speech that is hate on the internet and the internet is so hateful we talked about this a lot and i've talked about in um i think this was episode 90 i feel yes uh i talked about francis haugen who is this uh, facebook whistleblower who is you know somebody who worked at facebook um as i feel uh, a genuine whistleblower of course uh you know I, I talked about greenwald talking about her and kind of saying she isn't and like in this news piece which i'm also linking here uh, he also calls her an activist not a whistleblower i think she's both she's she's a whistleblower she's just being used um and she's acting like an activist right so instead of um you know uh concentrating on facebook's business model um, Facebook having too much information about all of us, using that in ways that's not good for democracies. She is concentrating on um, Facebook not doing enough to curb the evil hate speech, uh, you know, and 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 the, the the evil stuff. And 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 I've talked before a lot, and I, I don't want to go into this discussion again. But basically, you know, one people's one person's hate speech is another person's expression uh, of free speech, and it might just be reporting. Right, you might write something about something that somebody doesn't like, and then it gets branded branded hate speech. That you you think that's far fetched? It happens easily. You know, I I've written columns probably. Um, well, I I have written columns in Heise um, that were internally by colleagues, which I learned later called actual hate speech. Um, and we are talking about I was writing a column about um, sexism in video games. 
actually a reply to another col column by another colleague uh, who'd, who'd complained bitterly about sexism in video games and I'd said it's actually my driving my point was basically yes it exists but might we concentrate on the actual sexism in society first like in fucking boardrooms and in the subway and maybe that's a bit more important than if I can if my if, you know if I can have a female character as well in a video game and, and you know that that's that's for me that's an expression of opinion that's making a point um so for some people that is actually hate speech and they want that deleted off facebook and and so this 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 alliance is building unwittingly these journalists don't want to help this intelligence services i think most of them don't don't but like this alliance is building where they're both pushing in the same direction where they both want you know Social networks, which big the big social networks, Facebook, Twitter, uh, you know the the the, the messengers, uh, Telegram, Instagram, all, all that. Um, these for for people who are not like you and me, probably if you listen to this podcast, those sites represent the internet. There are ninety percent of the internet. This is at, at least where all the talking happens. Then there's a part of the internet where you buy shoes. Uh, and then there's email. Um, that's that's the internet. Uh, and so for all intents and purposes, that's the internet. Because let's face it, nobody's fucking going to the private citizen or press who isn't like, you know, not not some normal guy off the street or girl is going to do that. Um, so it might as well not exist if it's not on one of these platforms. If you can find it, can't find it. That's why I post stuff there regularly because I want other people to find this people who are maybe not like into this area as much as as you if you've been listening to this for longer probably are um so it's essentially the internet so what these people essentially want to do is that the internet will be policed for content of a certain kind uh, you know hate speech whatever and they actually want to make it illegal uh like it you know it's in germany for some reasons you know if you publish a uh, you know, Nazi propaganda, whatever that's that is illegal, and they want, they want this to happen in the U.S. and the U.K. But now for many more topics, and I talked about how we are changing the law in Germany in the same direction as well. And um, so, what Greenwald was writing about uh, this week uh, in his Substack was basically that this whistleblower, Francis Horgan, uh, is financed by uh, Pierre Omidar, and Pierre Omidar is uh, the uh, you know, is a billionaire. Is I think among the thirty most wealthy men and persons in the world, um, and uh, he interesting he used to he founded eBay that's how he made his money, and uh, interestingly he used to employ Grand 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 Green down Grand Greenwald Glenn Greenwald, um, who when uh, when he was doing the sound stuff left, the Guardian I still don't really know why, uh, and founded the Intercept. With some other people, and Omidar paid for it, and this this is a very long um, story that Greenwald has written, which I'm not going to go into uh, in depth, but it's very interesting to read. He spends an inordinate amount of time defending Pierre Omidar, where he's like he ne like he promised us editorial independence, and he never went back on that. Right, so um, I mean, Green Greenwald left because he wrote a story about the Biden laptop, and his editors at the Intercept. Which Greenwald kind of founded it, so he kind of, kind of employed them in the first place. They were the ones um, prohibiting him from publishing that on his own fucking 
side. Uh, but he says Omeda never did that. But like he explains how if you have one guy who who is paying for everything and he's basically your one reader that matters, everybody just basically falls in line. That just happens. And uh, I've seen that. Like sometimes even involuntarily, um, you know, you're not offending, you're not biting the hand that feeds you, especially as he says on the intercept where like uh, apparently they paid very well, uh, a lot more money, uh, you know, than you would get in a comparable job anywhere else. So they basically uh, do everything not to not leave. Anyway, so he defends Omeda and he, he, he writes about that, his employment history. It's, it's very interesting. Um, but he makes a point at the end, and that's the only thing I want to read out because that's the only thing that's important. Um, he nice, nicely sums up a problem that we have and something that I've run into as well, maybe not with publishing, but you know, I've, I've thought about in the past um, why, I'm, for example, I'm a, uh, generally uh, an opponent of people like Bill Gates. Who you know, they're, they're, they're all these stories. He gave all this money away. He's still the fucking one of the richest men in the world. They apparently these people. That's why Greedo writes about this as well. They give all their money away and they're still rich and they continue to get richer all the time. And it's just it's, it's a farce. And apparently these like rich people are helping the, the planet. I've never understood this. Right, right now we have like a space race where like some of them, very rich people, are building uh, incredibly penis-shaped rockets shooting them into space, uh, shooting uh, old men who used to uh, captain the Starship Enterprise into near space just because, you know, oh, my, I have the bigger penis and my penis has Captain Kirk on board. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's just a travesty. Anyway, he, he uh, sums this whole billionaire problem and what it does um, to our society, especially when it comes to publishing up very nicely. So Glenn Greenwald writes, the internet, as they know, uh, as he's talking about, anyway, the internet is one of the few tools, arguably the only one, that can level the playing field, that can allow non-billionaires a fighting chance to be heard above the systems they erect and control. The absolute last thing we should want or tolerate is for those same billionaires scheming to control the internet to elim eliminate the last vestige where dissent and free thought that is not subject to the oligarchical control can still thrive, to their oligarchical control can still thrive. The current billionaire-funded campaign that uses Hogan as a telegenetic hero and exploits multiple political and health crises to keep fear levels high is about nothing other than seizing control of the internet, to permanently neutralize it as an, as an oppositional force where dissent and anti-establishment organizing and discourse can thrive. And if we are going to have real debates about what it what is and what is not, quote, harmful content that must be banished from the Internet under the penalty of criminal prosecution, then that should at the very least be a collective judgment, not one domina dominated by a tiny handful of multi-billionaires who use their bottomless wealth in the dark shape in the dark to shape society to conform to their ideological preferences and other interests. I don't think that is hyperbole I think he's right I mean that's that's what Bezos is doing with the post as well um, so the internet and people are just on the internet and they're just telling it as as they see it are now under attack both from instruments of state power i.e. intelligence services but perversely also from people in civil society 
who for some reason want to give the state even more instruments and more power to do this. And perversely, by journalists who, who support this, who, who should be on the side of the people, um, but they're not. You know, they're not interested in you having your free speech on the internet. Because they're in a position where they're used to a position where they used to be the ones. I mean, everybody can exercise their free speech. But if you have a printing press, people actually read and they, they, they hear what you say. Whereas if you're just on the street corner, on a soapbox, nobody fucking gives a shit. Um, and they want to prove, like, I don't, I don't think it's an evil conspiracy, right? It's just like they, they even subconsciously, they and the people who they who employ them, i.e., the publishers, um, are trying to preserve that. And so I feel like the, what's what's happening here is actually, you know, um, it's a lot less benign, but it's the same thing than the CIA is doing. The CIA is trying to kill or like punish people. Who are doing this and these these people these these billionaires these politicians that are you know people that are inf influence these politicians um these journalists are basically doing the same thing it's a lot more subtle and they're not shooting people and they're not you know doing illegal stuff but i think it's it's even more dangerous i think it's incredibly dangerous um to our society because the press here right um so instead of realizing, right, that, that, that the press, whistleblowers, and just ordinary people like you and me who are reporting on, you know, what they've saw or maybe experienced, it used to be called citizen journalism, um, they're the only bulwark, bulwark against, like, misuse of power, right? And But you have, for some reason, like, instead of realizing that, liberal, you know, people that are called liberal or progressive politicians, of all people, are the ones who are trying to eradicate this freedom, Right, and the press is helping them. <laughs> it, is, it, it is unbelievable. As if the press doesn't realize that in trying to get these law, laws passed, they'll be impacted at some point as well. Right, they, they won't be able to write what they, uh, you know. I mean, how can you, how can you make your living trying to describe what is happening, you know, as true to the, to um. Through the for for lack, lack of a better term, the truth, um, and you want to stop people from doing that. That's like that's like you're being employed to like lay blacktop, and you're actively advocating against cars. <laughs> it's just, I mean, that's probably people doing like these days. Yes. There's probably some environmentally conscious road workers who are like, we should get rid of all cars. And you're like, what is going on? Um, <laughs> Astros is trolling Twitch chat. Uh, so the theory, it was Soros giving her money was false. It was other self-righteous billionaires. Probably Soros. Who cares? I don't care. It's probably, I mean, there's just a lot of people. And it's not like, to me, it's not about the political. I don't give a crap what Omida thinks like you know he could be like if somebody was giving money to the Trumpers or whatever it's the same thing it's it, it's bad enough that we have all this like um, th this campaign contributions and all that that's that's already like infringing on 
how democracy is supposed to work but this is like even worse and this is it's just mind-blowing to me the people that are doing this right that these politicians who should understand that free press and and free expression of 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 opinion is important because that's how they know what their constituents want right that 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 they want to prevent that and for the for the just the single reason i mean the journalists at least have some kind of vested interest because they want to keep their uh, special status among those who uh, can can publish their opinion uh, but these politicians right the only reason they want or just the ordinary not only politicians but like on ordinary just civil private citizens people like you and me that are of this opinion and that are writing about this on Twitter or whatever, the, the only reason they want to take this away from whistleblowers, from the press, from other ordinary people is because some people are saying things that they don't agree with. That's the only reason. I mean, if that's not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, I don't know what is. You're basically saying, okay, there's somebody exercising their free speech saying something i don't like i think this is dangerous for the country so let's let's get rid of free speech because let's face it that's what they're doing we're talking about the the most important thing sites on the internet where all of the talking is happening for you know 99% of all of the conversations are there which is 99% of of public life these days nobody's going to a fucking a demonstration or some some on a is going to the, the the village square to discuss shit this shit's happening on facebook and on twitter that's where opinions are made these days that's what you're trying to police about opinions that's where you want to go and want to say okay you have that opinion that's hate speech you're not allowed to say that it's unbelievable and i see it everywhere like we mentioned in an early episode when i was talking about german politics uh, AFD and they're like anti-immigrant uh, opinions. I fucking hate. Like I'm. No, I don't hate that. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm as far from that as you can get. I have no, absolutely no issues at all with immigration, at all, personally. But I recognize maybe it's because I study politics. But like you should learn this shit in school. I realize that if somebody has an opinion, and that opinion is not criminal, so there's no law. And there shouldn't be a law that says that that's criminal. It's not criminal to say, I don't want people to immigrate into Germany, right? Yeah, if you're like a leftist, you call that person a Nazi, but they're not like either in a historical sense nor in a political sense nor in any sense a Nazi. They just have an opinion you don't like. Yeah, it's a right-wing opinion. Of course it is. It's a stupid opinion. <laughs> they don't have any, 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 uh, any evidence to back it up. You know, that there's anything bad happening because of the immigrants, you know, the, I don't know, whatever they say, they steal our jobs, right? Yeah, they're, they all become journalists and programmers. I don't fucking know. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. But like, you, sh you should recognize that, that, that they're allowed to have that opinion in the democracy. You can't go, that's hate speech. That isn't hate speech. I'm sorry. And if it is, then hate speech has to be allowed because otherwise our democracy can't... That's a valid opinion to have. That's a fucking valid opinion to have. I'm sorry. I don't like it either. I don't like the opinion either. So let's do something about it. Let's talk about it, how it's a dumb opinion. Let's ridicule these people when they're posting that shit. 
and let's refute them with actual arguments. But everybody's too fucking lazy about this uh, for that, and they're just gonna go. We'll just, we'll just don't allow them to have that opinion. And that I, I can. How how short sighted is that? Today is AFD guy's opinion. Next day it's your fucking opinion. There's gonna be you're gonna make that law that certain things are hate speech and can be classified as hate speech, and you're not allowed to say those on the internet. The fucking government changes. The AFD, the people you want to protect the world from, gets into office, and suddenly your opinion is hate speech, and they're censoring you. I mean, you don't have to be a fucking genius to see that coming. That is obvious. You don't even have to have studied history when, if you have, you know that that's how it always goes. <laughs> it's... It's just it's just mind-boggling. I don't know. It's mind-boggling to me how people can be that dumb and short-sighted, but apparently they are. And I fear I fear that this is a real problem. Like even more than the CIA shit, right? And even more than classifying journalists suddenly as not journalists and you can sh- fucking shoot them, which you know should be a threat to me because I'm a journalist. And I'm sitting next to a window here that isn't fucking bulletproof. Um so you know but what's worrying me even more is i feel by the time the general public will understand and it will have woken up to the fact what's really going on here it'll be too late right by the time people realize that if you take those feelings away from one group you can also take them away from you from you your group that's why the, the fucking uh you know that saying exists uh in, in there's a german um uh uh, what is it? Meinungsfreiheit is immer die Meinung der Andersdenkenden. So, um, freedom of speech always means at first uh, giving like the people who thinks the opposite of what you think. It's very long if you try to describe this in English. You know, freedom of speech is always the uncomfortable opinion. Um, that's how you know you have freedom of speech because people are, are allowed to say that stuff. And by the time they figure that out, it'll be gone. Like that, it'll be gone. It'll be unrecoverable, and we'll be fucked because the rich will be even more rich, and the powerful will be even more powerful, um, if that's even possible. I, th- I feel that that's if if things keep going like that, I think I feel like that's where we headed. And people need to be need to fucking wake up to this fact right now. I mean, I don't I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand how people, like, you, you got that whistleblower and you go like, okay, so the problem with Facebook, right? The problem with Facebook is that they're not censoring my speech enough, right? The problem with Facebook isn't that you got, like, fr- three apps on your phone, on your computer, and soon in your fucking car and your washing machine and your fucking stove, that report everything you do to Facebook and they know literally everything about you. Like there are literally toilets. They, I, I see the they see the tech press actually think it's a good idea to have a toilet that fucking scans your anus. There's like an anus scanner built into toilets while you fucking poop and then figures out if you have a disease. And that's cloud connected. And that's the next company that Facebook will buy. And then they know like what your poop hole looks from the inside literally i mean how much like how much more george fucking orwell will it get before people understand what's going on i don't get it 
Anyway, I'm going to stop ranting now. Uh, actually, Captain Egghead is linking me to something here. Uh, Wikipedia. Um, what is this? This is a gravestone. Um, first they came is the poetic form of a 1946 post-war confessional prose by the German Lutheran pastor Martin Niemöller. It is about the cowardice of German intellectuals and certain clergy, clergy including by his own admission. Um, first they came for the communists and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a communist. Then they came for the Jews and didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew. Then they came for the trade unionists and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then they came for the Catholics and I didn't speak up because I was a Protestant. Then they came for me and by that time there was no one left to speak up. Yeah, that is, that is so true. Um, so I was uh, talking about what is the Freiheit der Anders Denkenden. Um, oh yeah, this is Rosa Luxemburg, of course. <laughs> the amazing thing is that there's a fucking, uh, of course, there's a fucking uh, article that that says oh, what this really means. <laughs> it's actually the opposite. Um, yeah, Freiheit is a many Freiheit der Anders Denkenden. So. Rosa Luxemburg was a was a was a communist, uh, of course, um, and it says, of course, this is all wrong because she was a communist. She hated democracy, right? That doesn't mean that it's it isn't fucking true. Uh, like you know, the, the 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 point where you realize you have free speech is when the people who you don't like what they're saying are allowed to say that. That's when you have free speech. Right? Like in Nazi Germany, the Nazis were probably thinking, yeah, of course we have free speech. If you're a Nazi, you can say whatever you want as long as it's approved by the party. I mean, that's that's free speech in my definition or whatever <laughs> what they were thinking. I don't know. It's, it's mind-boggling me that pe people don't understand this. Anyway, I've belabored this point enough. Uh, let's get to the feedback because uh, we have some and... Uh, what am I waffling about? Let's get to the feedback. We got Barry Williams again. Uh, we were talking about his feedback in the previous episode, so he shot me a quick email, and I thought I'm going to just include that, um, make it short and sweet, the feedback. I still have lots of feedback, uh, so if you haven't gone to yours yet, I'll, I will. Anyway, Barry says... Um, what year did you study in Australia? What year of your schooling was it? I think I mentioned that at at, uh, uh, at some point. Um, I uh, I was in Australia in 2000 and 2001, so the second half of 2000, first half of 2001. Um, I went to uh, Gympie. Uh, I went to yeah, I went to Gympie, the town of Gympie. I went to uh, James Nash State High School in Gympie, Queensland. Truth more precious than gold. It's the motto. I actually have the school uniform in the other room. I'm uh, I'm a bit mad that I didn't didn't get that. Um, yes, so uh, I went to Gympie. Uh, this was uh, the uh, final uh, senior year, I think. So that was year twelve. Uh, I was in year eleven in Germany. We had thirteen years of school, at high school at the time, and year eleven was like a year where they recapped everything and prepared you for the what in Germany were the two senior years. Um, so, and if you were a good student, you could like it was generally accepted. You could do like a, a year abroad 
uh, and I got I went uh, I did the second half of year 12 and then because you know the school year is uh, the other way around in Australia because their summer is when our winter is so I did the second year of year 2 uh, of, of year 12 and then the, f- uh, the second half of year 12 and then the first half but I did the second half of year 12 so after half a year I actually did my um, I think was it Queensland Certificate of Education I have that in the, in the other room as well um, I'm gonna have to why didn't I look this up before and why am I not prepared certificate uh, of education or maybe QCE maybe that's what it's called now um, the QCE was introduced in 2008 to replace the senior certificate so I then I got a senior certificate I guess because Anyway, it's a high school diploma. So I basically have a, I finished high school in Australia after half a year. <laughs> that half a year, I did that, uh, passed uh, relatively flying colors. I think I got a B uh, in overall. I'll have to look it up. Uh, Might have been a B plus or whatever. I was pretty good. Uh, and then I just did another half a year. Um, yeah, James Nash, State High School. Uh, and uh, if you went to Gimpy High, shame on you. <laughs> Uh, Barry says uh, I uh, goes on I teach IT in Australia you mentioned your school IT project of the book your plane tickets website that sounds like a good project I'm just not sure my year 10s could accomplish that yeah so we did that obviously then in year 12 Um, also it wasn't a website Um, we we did like the back end thing so this would be the um, it was in uh, Delphi Uh, born at Delphi it was uh, so we did uh, we coded the the screen uh, you would have as a uh, when you print out the boarding passes or I guess as a travel agent when you like go okay so what seat do you want do you want a window seat do you want 12 12a um, that and of course the database backend um, I don't even know if we've ever did we actually fi- I think we finished the code I think uh, so we were like I think groups of four did it? I can't really remember. I remember specifically one other guy did with ab- absolute nerd, a uh, really cool guy. Man, he was such a nerd. He did all of the coding. <laughs> I did more of the uh, project management and uh, actually mapping out what we wanted to do. Um, but of course, I also did some coding. Um, but like he did, like it was, uh, it was really. Uh, I think in the end we we ran out of time and like the user interface wasn't as nice as I wanted it. I, I really was wanted to make it look good. That was my thing at the end. But we kind of ran, went ran ran out of time. Uh, we uh, I I can distinctly remember we had to research everything and this was like 2001, so it was a bit bit harder with the internet and everything. And um, we actually uh, woefully underestimated how complicated this kind of seating on a plane is. And then we figured out that they do like some, I can distinctly remember, because I remember that from them, from then, you know that sometimes when the plane's really full, but like the, the seats in the back are still, like they put, they don't put people in the very end of the plane. And it's like, you know, to do with weight distribution. And so you don't have a tail strike. And it depends on like how many, how, how heavy the people are that, that board. And it kind of, well, they, they estimate that, but like it, it, it the, the baggage and it depends on like the type of plane and how, um, you know, how likely it is to tail strike all this kind of stuff. And we were like, holy shit. Like we were, we I, we sketched this out. We did some research, sketched it out, and then 
it was like a rabbit hole. We're like, shit, we have to code this in as well. And now we have to code this shit in. And I'm like, what the fuck? And the programmer dude's like swearing. He's like, this is a shitty programming language to do this in. Uh, it was fun. Uh, school in Australia was really good. Um, I, I dare say I learned as much in one year in school in Australia as I learned in probably four years of German school. Um, I don't know about certain topics. I learned more about history and uh, uh, European history, obviously, in German school. But like, I learned a lot about uh, for life as well. Or pretty much anything I learned for life, I learned in school in Australia. Um, like, you know, just, just kind of doing projects and then presenting them. Um, I was really, I was deadly afraid of uh, public speaking. Uh, I was like so shy. And they, I, I went to the school and they, they had like weekly assemblies uh, in the in the in the gym. Like in the huge, uh, you know, in, indoor whatever playing field thing, and I didn't know they had assemblies. So the, everybody goes, "Fab, we have to go to the assembly." I'm like, "Assembly? I'm assembly? What the fuck is that? I'm just there for a week, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? Why is everybody sitting down here? What the fuck?" And then like the 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 headmaster is like fucking Harry Potter, except I don't think Harry Potter was written back then. I don't know. Anyway, probably was. It was it was fucking weird. They had houses as well. Like they had four houses. It was like really weird. Um, and then the headmaster goes, yeah, yeah, blah. And, and this week, and we're doing that. And uh, now I would like to say a special hello to our exchange student from Germany, Fabian. Can't pronounce his last name. Fabian, why don't you come up? Tell the brother about yourself. Pronounce your last name. And I'm like, in front of like I don't know, eight hundred pupils or whatever. I'm like, what the, what the fuck's going? On? I learned, I, I, I lost my um, fear of talking to large crowds very quickly. And I think that's the reason why I'm podcasting now. Also, I learned English properly. And that's the reason why I'm podcasting in English right now. So, yeah. Let's all thank uh, James Nash State High School. It was an amazing school. Uh, we went back to Australia a few years ago. I uh, went past again. Sadly, we, we got to Gympie on the weekend, so they were closed. Uh, but I looked, this, this school is still there, and it's, it's much nicer now. We got some new buildings, and uh, pretty cool. Anyway, um, Barry also said, also, you continue to educate me on the definitions, uh, definition of COVID-19. I was unaware that if you contact contract SARS-CoV-2, he's doing it correctly, uh, and only get my, uh, and only, I was unaware that if you contract SARS-CoV-2 and only get mild flu-like symptoms. Um, I did not, or I did not get COVID-19. As a middle school teacher, I'm concerned about my knowledge in this area, but I do not currently teach year 11, 12 biology, nor did I study this. Yeah, so, um, yeah. You know, so the thing is that COVID-19 is like very specific uh, collection of symptoms, right? Including like, you know, severe lung problems and whatever. Uh, and if you just get the sniffles, which some people do, you technically don't have COVID because you don't have all these symptoms, right? You don't have, you, you might not even get fever. And one of the actual, like, must have symptoms is fever. Um, so, yeah. Um, it's, it's just more complicated than, you know, AIDS and HIV because I think, are there people who get HIV and don't develop AIDS? I think very, very few, right? Um, yeah, the problem with, with um, I feel you, because I was up on, when this was all developing, I was up on figuring this all out because I was basically reading the papers on PubMed as they were coming in on SARS-CoV-2 and on COVID. Um, but of course, I had to fucking give that up months ago 
because there's now like 300 papers a day. Of course, during last year, it was like, yeah, you had to stop. Like they, 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 I mean, the big publications kind of almost entirely stopped doing peer review. They just basically published shit with just minimal peer review. Um, this is how like the, you know, the, the fucking retracted hydroxychloroquine bullshit story like came out and all of this. There's so many like really, really um, embarrassing things that came out of that. But, you know, it, it was just such a, a deluge of papers. I can't keep up with it. I don't know. These days, I don't even know how to find reliable information because there's just too many papers. Lots of them are just trivial and they just want to get, you know, COVID-19 in the title because then you get quoted. Some of it is really interesting. Some is very fringe. Um, uh, it's just like, and there's no of precious few reliable sources that I would even know, right? Especially like for a school teacher until this shit get, goes into... Uh, is settled into like a stable state where you could put it into school books. I think they're going to put it in earlier because bullshit, but like, you know, it'll be years. Um, it's just such a developing situation. It's just like the, the scientific consensus is all over the place. Um, I mean, just if you pick out a very tiny area, uh, you can just see how, like, if you just pick out masks, like, and look at the studies uh, concerning actual SARS-CoV-2 and masks, um, they're fucking all over the place. Like, both from their their findings, like, do the masks help? In what context do they help? As also from their quality. There are some that are just fucking ridiculous. Um, just like, oh, we went to Africa, we gave, like, 10,000 masks to... A number of people and then other people didn't have any masks and then later on we checked uh, who got sick and it's like like your control is not comparable to your negative control like how do you know these people used the masks how do you know the other people just didn't get masks from some other source uh, your testing uh, regimen is like all over the place like you didn't make sure that you tested both of these groups um, compare it's like I don't even know where to start like that's how is this even a paper like and there's lots of shit like that so I, I totally um, agree with you it's like really hard to figure out what's going on um, it's at, at the point where it's almost um, impossible these days and it's like I mean I, I talked to Barry about like we, we started this discussion about the terminology and even like the terminology is changing so at the I mean I, I said yes language is changing but not that quickly and Barry was saying you know why, why not use it like everybody uses the terms and like we're losing that battle as well because at the point where like the fucking vaccine the, the, the companies who make the vaccine label the fucking vaccine the wrong way you cannot have a vaccine against an illness i.e. a collection of symptoms, COVID-19. A vaccine is a vaccine against a disease vector. A virus, a bacteria. So it's a SARS-CoV-2 vaccine. right? If we ever find an HIV vaccine, it's an HIV vaccine. It's not an AIDS vaccine. <laughs> because like, if you're getting the symptoms, it has nothing to do with what the vaccine does. Right? It like... Doesn't like you, you might 
you might get the virus and you might be vaccinated and it might prevent you from getting COVID-19, but you might not be vaccinated. You might get the virus. You might not get COVID-19, right? You Because what a, what, a, what a vaccine does is like pumping up your immune system, giving it a leg up. If your immune system can already do that by itself, then, you know, so it's specifically, it's against the fucking virus. It's not against the symptoms. It has the side effect of probably preventing the symptoms so you don't get the disease, but you not, might not get the disease anyway. It's like, it's it's very easy for people to, to keep... So I recently read something. I'm playing Dishonored uh, just for other reasons. Uh, older video game. It's, um, it's inspired by um, Victorian England, but it's also about the last big plague uh, epidemic, right? The plague being the actual ep pandemic that killed the most people in human history. Um, so the second one, uh, the last one, which was, I think, the third one, which was relatively small. But, you know, it's it's the most recent one, so it's in people's memories. And there you have, like, the plague, right? Which they, they're, they're three distinct versions of the plague. Plague is always caused by bacteria, Yersinia, Yersinia pestis. And depending if you get it into the lungs, um, I think uh, you, uh, if you get it on your mucous membranes or ingest it, um, what's what's the other one? Um, so if you get it in your lungs, you get like pneumonic plague. Uh, if you uh, get it on your mu mucous membranes, don't you get like that's bubonic plague? Um, or you can get it into your blood. I think when you get bitten by a mite, like from a rat. I think. And then it goes into your bloodstream. Oh, that's bubonic plague because then you get the, the swelling of the lymph nodes. Anyway, so there's like three very distinct um, diseases, right? They're different variations of you getting the plague. It's like uh, it's like COVID-19 because it, was, it would be plague one, plague two, plague three, right? They're very distinct symptoms. If you have bubonic plague, it's different from having, uh, you know, respiratory uh, pneumonic plague. Um, so... But the bacteria that causes it is the exact same bacteria. It's just the delivery me mechanism, basically, that changes how your body reacts to it. Because it's not a virus, it's a bacteria, it's more local, stuff like that. Um, so if you have a vaccine, you ha that's against the plague, you know, Yersinia pestis. It's not against the symptoms. And people can take, they understand that. If you look at that Wikipedia article, it's like throughout... It's like it's like clearly explained uh, on the Wikipedia article about uh, SARS-CoV-2. They can't keep fucking SARS-CoV-2 and COVID apart. At least last time I read it. Ugh. People, people, fucking hate them. Anyway, let's 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 wrap up the show, um, and uh, let's tell you how you can keep it on the air if you want to, <laughs> if if you want to foil. The CIA. This is how we do it. If you want to follow the CIA, you're going to go to Private Citizen Press and you click on the contact form. And you can send me information. There's also a whistleblower contact form. And I have written a blog post how to use it. Because that's non-trivial. Because it, if you don't want to be uh, fucked by this, like reality winner was, then you need to take some precautions. I'm going to take care that I'm not going to reality winner your ass. 
and release documents that the whoever you're leaking from can then tell you did it and indict you, whatever. I'm going to give my best. As I said, everybody makes mistakes. WikiLeaks makes mistakes. I'm certainly not free from making mistakes, but I, I know and understand how grave that situation is. Um, that is one of the most important things of being a journalist, protecting your source. is the most important thing, let's be honest. Um, at least to me it is. Anyway, so uh, if you have some information, do that. You can also fuck with the CIA, at least until they, I don't know, take me out. Um, so uh, be aware. I, 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 I do not plan to kill myself. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I will never do that. I would probably go out in a blaze of glory. Um, so uh, in case there, you know, in case I ever get shot and then not at least, uh, I don't know, three other bodies hit on the floor with me or from the opposite side, they probably took me out. <laughs> uh, anyway, if you want to, if you want to uh, keep this on the air uh, and uh, I don't know, if, if they become violent, it's probably all better off. But you can still become a patron on Patreon um, and support the show. Um, and it's... Uh, you know, basically pay what you want. It's a monthly subscription. You can also just send one-off contributions to producers at fab.industries. Producers at fab.industries um, via PayPal. It's all in the show notes, Private Citizen the Press. And there's a link to the value for value model, which I explained a lot, so I'm not going to do that now, so you can read that yourself. Um, in the spirit of the value for value model, I like to uh, give credit where credit's due. So thanks to the people who brought the show to you today, um, who are standing up for free speech. Those people are Georges, Steve Hose, Butterbeans, Jonathan M. Heavy, Michael Mullen Jensen, Dave, Michael Small, 1I11G, Jaroslav Lichtblau, Jackie Plage, Philip Klostermann, Vlad, IKN, Bennett Piata, Kaisius, Tobias, Fanny Mansour, Rudain the Insane, Joe Poser, Dirk Didi, Mode 7, Sandman 616, David Potter, Mika Rizal, Martin Avis, Mr. Amish, Dave Amrish, Drive Zero, Ricky M, Cam, Barry Williams, Jonathan, Captain Aircat, RJ Tracy, Rick Bragg, D, Robert Forster, Super User, No Reply, and Astral C. And also thanks to my Twitch subscribers, because as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I'm live streaming this on Twitch and then uploading to YouTube so you can see what I'm wearing or what I'm not wearing. Um, and the people who subscribe to Twitch, obviously my channel also support the show channels, Foxtrot Alpha Bravo. You can obviously subscribe for free if you have Amazon Prime, you have Twitch Prime, you have one subscription a month free to renew every month but you know it's pretty cool so thanks to mike the dane jonathan mh underscore com sentman 616 baking the pork mod 7 is unavailable l terrestrial gym gal terran redeemer f butter beans and jj guevara jj guevara fucked it up on the last name who actually subscribed during the last show last live show that was pretty cool and then i also have to thank bitemark at bitemark.co.uk a UK cloud hosting company who are championing free speech and providing me with the service that I use to bring you these wonderful audio files that are in your ear right now. So we all thank ByteMark, ByteMark.co.uk. Um, and that's it. Uh, just got to mention Acoustic Roots. This is theme song to the show uh, by Raul Kabazali. Um, and I'm going to play you out with a song called Tennessee on My Mind. Yes, this one's for Butterbeans. Tennessee on My Mind's uh, on my mind by will harrison and that's it for me for this week see you again next week 
um, probably uh, on Wednesday if I can get everything out on schedule. And until then, stay free, stay open source. <laughs> That's no one, isn't it? <laughs> Aim to misbehave and uh, visit Tennessee. I look out across the water I smell the song I feel the breeze But in my heart I hear the call Of my old home, Tennessee Still